From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. The panic generated by coronavirus has reignited an older, deeper panic about Chinese migrants. Today, what coronavirus can tell us about racism in Australia. Discrimination experienced in hospitals, schools and on public transport. A Perth student has told Seven News she was shocked and confused to find an eviction note taped to her rental property's door after returning from a 10-day trip to Malaysia. The homeowner kicked the foreign student out because of coronavirus fears. There's another example of a young woman who went to the doctors who was of Asian background, not Chinese, um, who um, basically the, the doctor's surgery was emptied. It is a virus we call the corona, coronavirus. It is not coronavirus. Okay, so Ruby Schwartz, you're a producer here at 7am and you've been talking to Chinese Australians about their experiences since the coronavirus outbreak. Can you tell me a little bit about the people that you've been talking to? Yeah, so I spoke to Louise Liu and she's a Chinese Australian. She was born in Melbourne. I just want you to introduce yourself again, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So my name is Louise Zen Liu and I'm a proud Chinese Australian woman born in Melbourne. So both of her parents are from China and I was speaking to her because she was posting about coronavirus on social media and so I wanted to ask her what her experience has been like. And she told me that she had one particular experience that really kind of changed her perspective. So I went to a new workplace. It was a place that I, yeah, I'd never been to before and I introduced myself to a person I said, you know, hi, my name is Louise. Nice to meet you. And I, I, put, I reached my hand out and the person just, yeah, sort of said, oh, no, sorry, I'm not shaking people's hands anymore because of coronavirus. And then sort of... And she said that the woman kind of joked it off and said, you know, this is like our new HR policy that we're kind of, you know, not shaking people's hands because of coronavirus. But yeah, Louise said that she very much doubted that if a white person had put out their hand, she probably would have shook it. And I've thought about that experience a lot because my initial reaction, my initial thought process was, you know, to ask her, is it because I'm Chinese? I didn't say that out loud. Um, I just kind of let it go. She spoke to her mum about it and she asked her mum, like, have you had any kind of similar experiences to this? And she said that her mum, she takes the early bird train every morning, 7am, she's on public transport. And she she said that um, she had noticed people staring at her on public transport, whispering to each other, staring at her, which is something she's never experienced in her 30 plus years of living in Australia. It's making her feel really uncomfortable in public space and, and, and somewhat unsafe. She had a similar thing that I had, which was, you know, talking to herself, you know, almost internal monologue of everything's going to be okay, just don't cough. Just, just make sure you don't cough and you'll be fine. Ruby, can you tell me more about the, the panic that's at the heart of this story? Yeah, so there's been a real economic panic as the coronavirus has spread around the world. You know, we've seen markets drop in the last few days and investors have been selling shares because of these fears that basically the outbreak is going to paralyse the economy. 
And here in Australia, we have heard the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, and on Tuesday, he did warn that economic impacts would stretch far beyond the tourism and the education sectors. The health impacts of the coronavirus are not the only impacts of this virus Mm -hmm. on the global economy and indeed on the Australian economy. We are very mindful of these impacts. So we've also heard the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, saying that the economic hit from the coronavirus outbreak would actually be worse than the bushfires. The message is very clear. The impact will be more significant than the bushfires Mm. uh, and it plays out more broadly across the Australian economy. There is this real economic panic, but there's also a medical panic, people becoming quite fearful that they're going to catch the virus and talk of how our hospital systems might cope with this. And the medical panic has this racialized element to it, and it's been stoked, I think, by quite irresponsible media reporting, things like the Daily Telegraph headline saying that Chinese kids should stay home and news reports calling it the China virus, that sort of thing. It's kind of created this sense, I guess, that everyone from a Chinese background is somehow at risk. And that's manifested itself, I guess, in the way that, you know, Louise is saying that she's being treated right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it wouldn't just be Louise and her mum who are experiencing this. Can you tell me um, who else you've spoken to? Yes, I also spoke to Erin Chu, and she's of Malaysian and Chinese descent. Um, And she told me that the other day she was walking through Melbourne CBD and she mentioned the word coronavirus while she was on the phone. It was raining. So I walked into uh, one of just a building on Queen Street, and on the top there was a like a little bottle shop. And when I said I said coronavirus, um, there was a guy who just walked down and he heard me, and he just said to me, "You know, shut up, you chink, you 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 are all infected." And that was that was the most extreme story that Erin had told me, but she told me of multiple other experiences, including the fact that she's been stared out on public transport and also that she's been avoided in the airport. So these incidents are actually happening more frequently and it's it's not just in Melbourne, it's happening all over the country. My colleague Mike Seckham reported in the Saturday paper last week that the Human Rights Commission has experienced a surge in complaints since the coronavirus outbreak and he said that nearly half of these complaints relate to racial discrimination experienced by Chinese Australians and that's actually only since the beginning of this month. Okay, so there's been this rise in racial discrimination and that's backed up by the Human Rights Commission. And this is happening at the same time as a rise in fear about the spread of coronavirus. Can you just remind me of the facts here? What What's the scale of coronavirus right now in Australia? So, so less than a month ago, and that was on January 25, the first case of coronavirus in Australia was identified. And since then, there have only been 15 cases in Australia and none of those have been severe or fatal. Um, So there's also been no reports of secondary infection, which means there's been no kind of human-to-human transmission. No one's caught it from anyone else here. And we're hearing from health authorities and medical professionals like the Federal Chief Medical Officer, Brendan Murphy, and they're saying that basically there's no reason for the Australian public to be concerned right now. I would like to start by assuring the Australian public that there is no need for alarm and the risk to the Australian public from this novel virus remains relatively low, although we do... And they're also saying that we shouldn't be avoiding anyone of any particular background as a result of the coronavirus outbreak. But it's quite obvious right now that people aren't really heeding that advice. And Erin, who I spoke to, 
she said that people are actually starting to get used to these racist attacks and that she's actually starting to expect them. All these type of experiences, as traumatising as they can be, we are some of us are getting used to it and it's actually very unnatural to be um, used to this type of racism. And it does, you know, for someone like myself who was born and raised here, it does make you feel like you don't belong here. And a virus such as the coronavirus can be contained and can, and can be stopped, but the virus that cannot be stopped is racism. We'll be back in a moment. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. So, Ruby, you've been telling me about the way that responses to the coronavirus outbreak have impacted on Asian Australians. Where do you think this all begins? Yeah, so I think it's important to note that while the recent backlash does feel pretty extreme, there's actually a much broader context to racism targeted Australians from Chinese backgrounds. Yeah, I can hear you now. I just thought it'd be better if I have headphones, so therefore it does. So I spoke to Osman Chu, who's a research fellow at the Per Capita Institute, and he's written about the experiences Chinese Australians have had of racism. I think what makes Australia different from other Western nations is how prominent and defining that anti-Chinese racism um, was in our history. He says it goes back to the 19th century and that was when Chinese labourers came to work in the goldfields here. Australia has a long history of anti-Chinese racism stretching back into the 19th century through the creation of anti-Chinese political leagues, um, events like the Lambing flat riots against Chinese miners. Um, colonies. And Osman pointed out that Australia's first laws were essentially anti-Chinese. Immigration was also a prominent topic in the lead-up to Federation and the Immigration Restriction Act, which formed the basis of white Australia, uh, was one of the first laws passed after um, the formation of the Commonwealth. And he also said that during this time, Chinese culture was demonised and it was essentially used as a kind of counterpoint to the sort of society white Australians wanted to create. So being Australian was not simply cast in terms of race, but, but culture and Chinese culture and values were stereotyped as being hierarchical, profit-driven and servile. Okay, so that's the roots of it. But how does that relate to racism in Australia more recently? The white Australia policy only started to be dismantled in the 1960s, but it wasn't until 1978 that it was actually completely abolished. And then in the 1980s and 1990s, we started to see migration from Asian countries, and that included China, And then that actually led to another backlash. Most notably during the 80s, when you had comments by historian Jeffrey Blaney and John Howard raising concerns about the race of Asian immigration. And that really culminates in the election of Pauline Hanson in 1996 and her infamous maiden speech that declared that Australia was at risk of being swamped by Asians. 
I and most Australians want our immigration policy, policy radically reviewed and that of multiculturalism abolished. Yeah, yeah. I believe we are in danger of being swamped by Asians. Between 1980- So Osmond also told me that after Hanson lost her seat in Parliament a couple of years later, the bigger change was the rise in anti-refugee and anti-Muslim attitudes. But really after 9-11, a lot of these anti-migrant rhetoric shifted away from, you know, Chinese or Asian communities and towards those from Middle Eastern and Muslim backgrounds. It's over this period that migration from Asian countries, particularly mainland China, really increased substantially. And so then when Hanson was actually elected to parliament, and that was in 2016, her speech didn't mention Asians at all. Now we are in danger of being swamped by Muslims who bear a culture... Okay, so what we're talking about here is a kind of cycle or cycles of racism. Yeah, I think that's right. And it wasn't really until the last couple of years that we started seeing this resurgence in anti-Chinese attitudes. So you saw more media stories like, you know, about Chinese foreign investment, the buying up of land, donating to political parties. And it all reached this kind of fever point between Sam Dastyari's resignation from Parliament and also when questions were being asked about Gladys Liu's alleged links to the Chinese Communist Party. So as the Australian public started to become aware of these issues, it started affecting public opinion. And when I spoke to Osman, he did tell me that there was this recent Lowy poll and it reflected this dramatic shift in public sentiments towards China. And and what Osman's saying, it's not to suggest that there aren't valid concerns about the Chinese Communist Party and its influence in Australia. But I think what he's saying is that the debate isn't really very sophisticated and it might actually be harming individual Chinese Australians. Too often these debates are sensationalised, lack nuance, and it blurs into a false claims about Chinese Australians more broadly, who make up, you know, only about five percent of the population. So now that the coronavirus is here, it's in Australia. What do you think the reaction that Australians have had reveals about racism in this country? Yeah, so I asked Osman about this and he said that amidst the coronavirus outbreak, there is kind of this inability to understand more subtle and casual forms of racism. And the kind of reaction that people have shows that there still isn't this understanding that you don't need to have malicious intent um, for xenophobia to both exist and also thrive. I also asked Erin about it, and she said that this kind of racism, it's not just directed at Asian Australians, that it's something that's much more pervasive in Australian society generally. And, you know, it kind of moves in these cycles and it chooses different targets. But I think she sees what's happening now as this kind of wake-up call and an opportunity to stand up and start talking about these issues. The only positive that may come out of all this is that it has actually woken up a lot of those who may be sleeping still, you know, who may be asleep for quite a long time and deny that there is racism. And now a lot of them are seeing it or experiencing it personally. And it has woken a lot of people up to actually talk about and have that discussion about these issues. Ruby, thanks so much for your work on this story. Thank you. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth 
with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Join Richard Tognetti and the ACO for a bold and intrepid 2022. Featuring a live national concert season, their acclaimed on-demand film series ACO Studio Casts and exciting programs from their new home in Sydney's Walsh Bay. Subscriptions now on sale at aco.com.au. Also in the news, coronavirus infection rates have climbed rapidly across Europe and Asia. In Italy, there have been 11 deaths from the virus and 322 infections, while South Korea has reported 169 more cases of infection. Authorities are rushing to keep ahead of the virus, with San Francisco declaring a local emergency despite having no cases yet. The viral outbreak has now infected more than 80,000 people worldwide. And the inquest examining the murder of six people in Burke Street in Melbourne CBD has heard emotional testimony from a widow of one of the victims. In 2017, James Gargasoulis mowed down pedestrians in a car, killing six people and injuring 27. Melinda Tan, whose husband Matthew C. died in the attack, expressed anger at Victoria Police and said that certain officers were more focused on their careers and safety rather than protecting the public. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am, a daily show from the Saturday paper and the monthly. See you tomorrow.